Hey guys, this is Colin from Blackjack Apprenticeship, and I'm here with uh, my good friend and Advantage player, JC Note. JC Note, thanks for doing this interview with us. Yeah, good to be here. So if you are a member and you've listened to some of our uh, roundtable discussions, JC Note's been willing to be a part of a handful of those, and you get uh, some of his insights on different aspects of uh, card counting and advantage play. But uh, we've been trying, I've been trying to do an interview with JC Note uh, for over a year, I think. <laughs> At least. And just, you know, something different has come up every time we've had it scheduled. And I finally kidnapped him, locked him in a room, and said he couldn't leave until we had this recorded. <laughs> so thanks thanks for doing this. And, um, you know, just a little bit of info. Um, I met JC Note at a boot camp, I think, six years ago. And... Um, he has gone on to uh, primarily provide for his family over, I, I'd say, most of those six years through yeah, yeah. through card gang and uh, more recently other forms of advantage play. Um, and uh, he's also become a good friend of mine over these years. Fortunately, he lives in my neck of the woods. So without any further ado, let's get into the interview. Rock on. Awesome. So my first question for you is, how did you get interested in card counting well colin jones um (laughs) that was uh holy rollers so uh yeah this was going on six years ago i think it was six years ago in may okay um i sat down with my wife to for an evening of television and Uh we're like hmm card counting christians that looks interesting let's do it and uh from that moment on i was just hooked like i could not get enough of blackjack so so was that through so a couple things holy rollers for those that don't know that's a documentary that my oldest friend brian um filmed during kind of the height of the church team which was the team that i uh co-managed and then managed on my own for for the last uh year of it um and so, yeah, there's this documentary out there. And was it on Netflix at the time? It was, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, there was like a three-year Netflix deal that, that my buddy Brian worked out with them. And it's funny. He actually just stayed with me the last two nights. Oh, cool. uh, he and his wife and their kids. Um, he lives in L.A. now and makes documentaries and whatnot. But uh, he he was saying, like, yeah, I should contact them again and, and see if we can get that thing up there. But uh, for a while, yeah, people would find us through Netflix through, through that documentary. And you are one of those yeah, uh, yeah. For, fortunate or unfortunate souls. Well, thank Brian. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what do you think actually gravitated, uh, you towards card counting when you saw the documentary? You say you were hooked. Well, why? Yeah, I don't, I, you know, I think it was just the, the normal everyday people aspect of it. Okay. You know? Because I thought about it later, you know, some years after becoming an advantage player and after hearing a lot of people say, like, oh, I watched the movie 21 and, like, and then I, you know, was totally in for it. And um, and I thought about that and I'm like, well, I saw the movie 21 when it came out like, yeah. in 2008. You know, I didn't see it in theaters, but I rented it or whatever. Um, I was in college at the time and I didn't have anywhere near the same reaction. And I think it was just because it was just Hollywood over the top. I just assumed that like everything in it was fake and like that you still had to be rain man to do it. Or I I just never paid it any thought, you know? Yeah. Um, 
but Holy Rollers was totally different. It was just like, oh my gosh, this is like real people on a real team. Um, and you know, the numbers also play a role. Like you guys were pulling down some pretty big numbers, which yeah. was pretty attractive, but, uh, yeah, I think it was just that it was a documentary rather than a movie. You know? Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Um, I know, uh, Joe 748, our mutual friend and, uh, card counter, he, he had a similar, I think he saw 21 and then he, Googled it and saw that uh, back in the day, Ben and I had made a video that were like the top 10 mistakes in 21, the movie. And he was like, oh, who are these guys? And then he found Holy Rollers. And he said when he saw that, he was like, oh, I could do this. Right. Because before it's like, well, there are these, you know, if people don't know, you know, they they think, oh, well, MIT geniuses. And then they see Ben and I and and we, you know, if you don't know us, you assume, oh, well, they must be, you know, geniuses. We're we're pretty normal dudes. Right. Uh, but uh, when you see Holy Rollers, you see it is, you know, um, former electricians and writers and baristas and right. housewives. You see Mark on there, like, painting a house, and you're yeah. just like, oh, geez, like, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, that's interesting. Um, I, I, like, mostly knew that part of your story, but I, I, I guess I didn't know. For, I thought it was perhaps through uh, through something else. But uh, anyway, had you played blackjack or even been in a casino before, you know, you were hooked through Holy Rollers? Nope. I had never, I don't even know if I had ever set foot in a casino. I'm pretty sure I hadn't. Yeah. Um, I think, I think later that year I did go to a casino with a friend of mine, just recreationally. He was a big craps player and by big craps player, I mean, he brings a hundred bucks. Yeah. uh, Oh, wow. (laughs) And turns it into 200 and has a free (laughs) buffet. But, um, yeah, that was, uh, my first exposure to casinos or, you know, obviously you, I drove by them, you know, growing up or whatever, yeah. but never thought about really going in or never bought lotto tickets or did any kind of gambling until, until I knew it could be beaten. So I remember, uh, I was probably 21 years old and some of my friends were part of this like car club where they'd get together with other people that had similar, you know, souped up cars. I, it was like some friends from high school and they invited me to, to come hang out for, oh, yeah. for this like car club thing. And mm-hmm. I didn't have a cool car, but they, they were my buddies. So like, Hey, why don't you come, you know? And so we ride around in their fancy cars and they take pictures and like brag about their cars. But then they're like, Hey, we're going to go to the casino and, and gamble. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm out of here. Like there's, right. there's no way I'm going into it. And you know what? Two years later, I'm in casinos <laughs> full time gambling. But it sounds like we yeah. got we got the same same uh, backstory, yeah. Same hero's journey, right? <laughs> so okay, you uh, see Holy Rollers, everything changes for you. Yeah, you're hooked. What what did your training look like at that point? Yeah, so I mean, um, I think at the end of Holy Rollers, they talk about uh, blackjack apprenticeship, or at least allude to it, or something. And so I went online, obviously, and and found you guys pretty quickly. I don't I don't know if I googled it or if it was like. Googled Holy Roller. I don't know what I did. I probably Googled you, your guys' names and and found Blackjack Apprenticeship. Um, and I probably spent a couple of weeks just going through the free content, uh-huh. um, you know, download basic strategy, start. I, I had a copy of basic strategy in my wallet, and I would take it to work with me and, you know, try to memorize it on my breaks and on uh, – car trips or if I was on a car trip with my wife, I would have her like test me on it and, oh, that's cool. you know, see if I, I, uh, have it memorized and that kind of thing. So it, it started out that way. Um, within a few weeks, 
I had bought a membership and uh, had started going through the video course. And um, yeah, I mean, that's that's how it started. It was practicing at home. I don't think I bought one of the kits from the site, but I just, I couldn't wait. I just went to Fred Meyer and bought some, you know, cards and chips and stuff like that. And quickly realized that the chips weren't really that useful in the beginning. <laughs> I was like trying to keep track of like, okay, how many chips have I won? And uh-huh. you know, I was just trying to, like, Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> trying to like, see if it's working and completely pointless. Right. Right. And then I think you, uh, we didn't have drills at the time. No, I don't think the website had any drills. Yeah. But I think in an email or something, you had suggested that a website at the time, it was like blackjack dash drills.com or something like that. And so while that site was still working, I was, you know, using that for basic strategy and, um, you know, counting down decks at home and dealing to myself and, and that kind of stuff. Um, and then I registered for a boot camp. Uh, I want to say, I think it was six months later that I went to uh-huh. a boot camp. Um, so it was May when I watched the documentary and I went to a September boot camp. So. Awesome. I remember I remember that boot camp. I remember you there. And I actually just pulled up the first email you sent uh, back back in uh No way. Yeah. Back in Was two- I wide eyed and Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um you know it, it yeah. I mean I, I get I get a lot of emails from people that are new mm-hmm. and excited about card counting and it's really easy to kinda like take them with a grain of salt. Right. Uh but the reality is Everybody that's now like a BJ pro and a friend of mine like sent, you know, had that initial right, right. Uh, situation. So I'm trying to give it a little more thought because I'll get one of those emails now. Right. I'll be like, maybe this will be the next JC note or the next <laughs> Joe 748 or the next Spartan or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I remember you came to the boot camp. I also remember we, we had a series of emails, I think even some phone calls leading up to the boot camp. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you had a lot of questions and I, I think I was helping you train with the iPhone app and yeah, just yeah. some of that stuff. But you came to the boot camp and uh, from there we actually did some private training. Right. Yeah. So yeah, after the boot camp, I had a pretty good idea of like what I needed to, to practice or whatever, but um, felt like, you know, if I'm going to put real money behind this, like I want to know that I have the edge, you know, yeah. without waiting to get the hours in. I'm actually probably very, uh, I'm probably more risk averse than like any of my other AP friends. Like you'll talk to the, the Phoenix or Joe seven, four, eight, or those guys. I mean, those guys have a stomach for risk that I just don't have. <laughs> and, well, interesting. Interestingly, they both kind of went for it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, uh, like just went for it with five grand or whatever. Right, right. And then things weren't going well. And that's when they came to boot camp. Whereas you went, Probably more the route I, I would have gone, which is right. like invest in the training first. Uh, but but you also had a little bit more to start with the bankroll than I would say. Yeah, I I remember after the boot camp, uh, like the bankroll coaching you did for me was based on uh, five thousand dollars. Oh, okay. But I, I think I mean that was as much as I was willing to commit at the time. Yeah. Um, and truth be told, I. I start I like I mentally had a five thousand dollar bankroll in the bank, you know, but like I pulled out five hundred dollars from an ATM and never looked back. Dude, love it. <laughs> I tell people I start with two thousand. I don't think I bought in more than the first five hundred. Yeah. Um, 
Now, with a caveat, I did add money to my bankroll. Like, as yeah. it grew and I wanted to bet more or whatever, yeah. I did, like, add money to it. So, um, but I never, like, from my winnings, I never dipped below that original yeah. 500. So, Well, you and I got lucky. I know Joe for it lost his first five yeah. grand and had to, you know, it didn't deter him. Yeah. It, I don't know, man. If I would have lost my first two grand, I think I would have gotten yeah. cold feet and, and you know, uh, I'd be, yeah. uh, you know, uh, actuary right now or something else. <laughs> right. But um, so I, I I thought I remembered that maybe it was after you started winning, you added more money to it. But yeah, uh, yeah. I feel like I remember you having like 20K or something with uh, pretty, pretty early on. Yeah, maybe that was- well, I teamed up. Pretty early on, with okay. some, I think at the point that I teamed up, my bankroll was up to like sixteen thousand. Okay, okay, um, yeah. And I think like ten of that was winnings. Oh man, um, I love it. Yeah. So um, yeah, I had started with this mental five k bankroll, and then I think I ran that up to like three thousand within a few weeks, and then three thousand of profits. Three thousand, yeah, of profit, and then. Uh, over like one week, I just dumped and I lost like fifteen hundred. I know uh-huh. it's like tiny numbers, but to me, it was just like, oh my gosh, I lost half my profit. You know, yeah. it was just like, and that was kind of a, a you know getting real moment of you know realizing, oh, this is what risk of ruin means. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I ran it up fairly quickly, um, just playing part time. I was still working at the time, um, but yeah, when I I actually went full time when I teamed up with. Um, another player and we had about 20 to 24,000 was uh-huh. one of our, but yeah. backing up a little bit before that, we, sure. we did some private training. Mm-hmm. Um, because I remember it was important for you to know that you would have passed a church team test out. Right. Right. Um, and that happened. Mm-hmm. I remember it. Yeah. I remember the casino. I remember the session. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I mean, was that, I guess, was that easier, harder than you thought it was going to be to test out? Um, I think, I think at the time it was, um, you know, I kind of had those like boot camp nerves where, you know, people come in and they're just like really nervous about like, I need to pass, you know? So I had a little bit of that going on, but I had had so much practice at that point that, um, I think I was, I was more concerned about like that we got our wires crossed or something. Like you had asked me to count and like. I had, or no, I didn't raise my bet at a certain point, but I think it was because, I don't know, it was because of some kind of like miscommunication between the two of us. Okay. And so like in that moment I was like, ah, oh, damn it. You yeah. Know? But like, I, I, yeah, I mean, I passed and that gave me enough of a, you know, a confidence in going forward. Although up until that point, you know, you can kind of pretty much know in your training when you're not really making any mistakes anymore. So I kind of knew I was already kind of to that point. Um, so it was kind of just the formality of like, you know, I'm putting real money behind this um, because Colin said I'm safe to do so. Not because, oh boy, you know, it's a lot of pressure yeah. on me. So my success is all your fault. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, if you would have had negative variance right at the beginning, it would have been... Yeah, Colin, what did you teach me? Gosh, <laughs> that would have been stressful. But uh, fortunately, it, yeah. the, the sky was the limit, uh, at least initially. <laughs> right. And uh, so you teamed up with someone. You guys played on a two-man team for, for a while, six months. About six months, I th- uh-huh. think. Maybe a little bit longer. Um, 
Yeah, well, that was that's. I should also back up. That was also a big catalyst to my training. Was like I had started finding people close to me that were also learning. Yeah. And as I dealt to them initially, I realized like, wow, I'm like way ahead of like where these guys are at. Oh, wow. And it was like, okay, so I'm really making progress. And like when you have to deal to someone else and like teach it to someone else, it kind of really catapulted my training. Absolutely. Um, yeah. If, if you're listening to this and you're, you're training and you have someone that you can train as well, you know, it can really help solidify, you know, uh, when you have to explain it to someone else or when you have to correct someone else or even be thinking ahead of if they have a deviation decision or whatever, it can really solidify all this stuff. We always mention that at boot camp. Yeah. Um, and just someone like kind of pushing you like, oh, I'm ahead of him now, but like, oh, he's catching up. Like, you know, I really got to stay sharp. So. Yeah. So uh, on the topic of deviations, what's your favorite blackjack deviation? <laughs> favorite blackjack deviation. That's a good question. Um, probably the deviations that get the most, like, who farted looks from the table. <laughs> I don't really split tens a lot anymore, um, you know, out of out of just a choice. But, like, um, man, I really like uh, soft 19 against a six. Yeah. Because uh, usually the dealer will try to just blow past you and you're just like, nope, double yep. it. And you're like, why'd you do that? Why'd yeah. you do that? Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of partial to soft 20 against four, oh, five, go. or six. The, uh, just it it feels uh, safer than splitting tens, but yeah. you still get to get double the money out there. And uh, you either look like a total buffoon <laughs> or you look, you look pretty awesome when you do it. My favorite is uh, the one I learned from The Hangover, splitting fives. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you must need a really low count. <laughs> no. Oh, man, I cannot think of... That's funny. Uh, so he splits fives in The Hangover. Yeah, you don't remember that scene? Um, oh, geesh. Yeah, uh, they, 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 that's they, bad. Pit boss or the dealer calls back. He's like, splitting fives. That's funny. Gosh. Yeah. Um, I did catch, because you point out in the... Um, whatever that, that like, bio of... Tommy Highland and the busts the thirty. Oh, yeah. The he dealer busts hard thirty. The dealer has two tens and hits it for a thirty. <laughs> right. Oh goodness. All right. Uh, we're getting off topic here. Um, more importantly, uh, let's talk about the Slingo side bet. Okay. So um, you're teaming up with another guy, mm-hmm. and uh, how did I feel like maybe you were asking me about some of these mm-hmm. where to find some of these other things, and I had just interviewed. Richard Munchkin, mm, mm-hmm. and he tells me like, "Oh yeah, there are these mathematicians that are posting it online. Mm-hmm. Some of these games is that is that kind of how that originated?" Yeah, um, I had went to I had gone to a couple of those websites, and um, it was actually my teammate. I mean, we weren't t- officially teamed up at the time, um, but he had kind of perused the site because I had showed it to him, and and. Um, and then he tracked it down. He like found out where the the casino was that had one of these things that was published. Yeah, um, aka the Slingo side bet, um, uh, which I don't think is there anymore, but it it might be. Okay, um, but I'm pretty sure it's not. But yeah, it, it he just tracked it down and uh, went to the casino and saw. Yep, it's on the felt. It's there, and so we learned the you know special count strategy to take advantage of it and. So for those that don't know, this, you know, uh, 
card counting is it like there's there's more than just I, okay for the church team. Ninety nine percent of what we did was card counting, like you see in twenty one, or you read about in books. But uh, every once in a while, you find other opportunities out there. Um, I guess for JC, no, it's not just every once in a while. But we we read about this side bet, and you had to learn a different count. It wasn't high low. They had a unique count for different parts of the side bet. But what what was the edge like? For for I feel like for the for the ace. Uh, I don't remember the edge, but um, the way they published it on the blog was that it returned like um, it was. Gosh, it was like five units per um, uh, per hundred bet or something like that. Wow. It, it, it was it was uh, it was pretty ridiculous. I want to yeah. say it was something like an eighteen percent, something edge. like that. It was so double digits. For it was sure, yeah. it was a five dollar max though. That was the problem. Ten dollar, ten dollar max. Yeah. Okay, and I remember you know you guys say hey we found this thing and I'm like dude I'm always, I, you know like this sounds really fun <laughs> learning a different count um, crushing some side bet and then Colin asked <laughs> to join my team. Yep, that's right. <laughs> I, I'm like, can I you know be on your team? Actually, um, truth be told. That was the first team I ever played on. That was the first team play. All right. Yeah. Well, that yeah. was, the, uh, I think, the last team I played on. Right. Um, nice. But, uh, you know, we, we hardly needed any bankroll for it because yeah. it was such huge EV. I think um, we put together like six grand. Yeah, something. It was like we, each, we threw some money in. Yeah, we each put up like two grand or something. And, yeah, I mean, to, to put it in perspective, it was basically making like 100 bucks an hour on $10 bets. Yep. So, um, and to me, it was perfect because I could play unrated at those limits. Mm-hmm. I thought um, I mean, it was, I was able to for a while, and uh, you know, it just it just felt like a fun ha- hundred bucks an hour. Gosh, who's going to pass up hundred bucks an hour for something you know that that felt that easy? Right. Um, but it also had the challenge of a, a new count and, and some of that stuff. And so we, you guys played it for a few weekends. I I played it for a weekend. I caught the negative variance, and I like I tested myself out. So I trust yeah. my counting on this game. It was basic strategy in the side bet, but I just uh, I couldn't win. But you guys couldn't lose. Yeah, yeah. It and was, it was crazy. We were when you told, called and told us that you had lost. We're just like, how? I don't know if we trust this calling guy. <laughs> I remember I felt bad being being the loser, but I'd been through it before uh, on both both ends of it, um, being the winner of the the bankroll and the loser, but. Uh, Anyway, uh, yeah, then me and, and this third person, mm-hmm. uh, we were playing kind of like together because we could each do a different count for it. And mm-hmm. uh, and someone just recognized me. Someone in surveillance recognized me. And I get, you know, they come up to me. I had been playing unrated the whole time. They say, Colin, you're not welcome to play here anymore. And I'm like, oh, crap. Not only is this up, which isn't a big deal, but now this poor kid is is like right. connected with me but they didn't i don't think they had his id either i don't know maybe they did no but. no I oh good he didn't give it up yeah good uh well i want to bring that up because it's kind of a fun story but um it's it's also a little bit of a segue into that you can't how long were you primarily counting cards uh probably first couple of years um I don't think I really started segueing into more other stuff until like 2014 or 15. Um, so two, three years it yeah, was. Yeah, two or three years of counting. And yeah. how did it go in general? Good. I mean, I'm up. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, you actually were a part of another team, and you learned some 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 other things. Yeah. So um, after yeah, I had played like six or seven months with the just me and my buddy. Uh, we both joined another team, which um, they had been putting out feelers or whatever to you know recruit kind of this big team format where. There's, uh, you know, multiple players across the whole country, and it was going to be this, you know, big kind of MIT reboot sort of a thing. Uh-huh. Um, and I was feeling like, man, I'm scraping by on this, like, really small bankroll, and it'd be nice to, like, not have to have all the answers and just kind of, like, plug into somebody else managing a team yeah. and just, like, go out there and just be a foot soldier. But um, so, yeah, I joined that team because it had a lot of appeal to you know, even just for camaraderie and networking and that kind of thing. Um, which is primarily why I like playing on teams is just the, you know, other people aspect of it. Um, yeah. And I joined up with them and I played for, with them for about six months. Um, I think might've, yeah, I think it was about six months. Um, and I just decided to leave the team because I just, I kind of disagreed with, some of the management decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like the third largest investor on the team at the time. And I felt like I didn't really have a lot of say in what was going on. Yeah. Um, even though I had a lot of the risk of what's going on. Yeah. So, um, I decided to, to part ways, but, but and that's where you met the Phoenix. Yep. Yep. That's um, where, that's where we met. And, uh, but uh, so you, you met the Phoenix on that team and I know he parted ways a little not not long after you. Yeah, it was three or four months later. But through this team, you got exposed to some other opportunities. Yeah, um, we there were some other guys on the team who um, had really taken to other forms of advantage play, um, and that stuff was always really interesting to me. Yeah, um, and so you know I tried to play with them some more, and um, you know after that, after the big team you know, finally dissolved for good. And, and, you know, the manager actually, uh, disbanded the team. Um, these other guys that were into the other plays, they had kind of teamed up with each other and had started really finding this stuff, you know, uh-huh. and no simultaneously idea. you were playing on your own. Yeah. I was playing on my own. Um, and, and for a brief time, uh, teamed up with the Phoenix oh, yeah. as well. Uh-huh. Somewhere in there. I've, I forget the sequence. Yeah. I, I think I, I kind of started doing trips with these other guys from the old team and, um, didn't officially join their team until, uh, probably a year or two later. So, okay. Yeah. So, so you met them, they were doing some, some more advanced AP plays. What, what made you interested in the more advanced AP stuff? Was it just wanting to team up with those guys or was it something about, uh, you know, the whole carding and whatnot that yeah, intrigued you. It was, it was a combination of things. I mean, those guys from on, of the people on that big team I was a part of, they seemed to be the sharpest and uh-huh. like, they were the ones that I never really questioned their skill and things like that. Um, and they just, they, they tend to be the, they just had kind of an, an inquisitive mindset about it of like, Oh, this stuff is out here. Let's like try to figure it out, you know? Yeah. And so I liked them as just like people to team up with, um, and they happen to be doing you know kind of these these other things. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that was probably the the primary motivators. Yeah. Awesome. So 
So, Joe seven four eight has a few questions for you. Now, right. now that we're at this <laughs> this point in the interview, um, <laughs> uh, he wants to know a detailed top points, pros and cons of blackjack versus hole carding. I think what it means is card counting versus hole right. carding. Right. So you've done you've done both very extensively. You've made money at both. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you say are are kind of the top pros and cons? Yeah, so I'll I'll get this one out of the way first. Is that I personally? Now I'm not speaking for anybody on my team per se, but like I personally don't think that hole carders or advanced APs or whatever you know you call it. Um, I don't think that they necessarily make any more money than a card counter does or could. You know, uh-huh. in fact, you know if I add up. Uh, most of the card counters I know have probably made more career-wise than probably most of the whole carders I know. But um, you know, I don't know everybody. But it's because we card counters we're like cockroaches, <laughs> right? You know, we're bottom dwellers, but we just you can't get rid of us. Yeah. So I would say like um, there's a lot of people who approach me about uh, other plays because they think that there's more money there, uh-huh. and uh, there could be. Um, but it usually comes down to the same factors that make a successful card counter. Like yeah. how much time are you willing to put in? Like how yeah. much, um, work are you willing to do? You know, there's a lot more strategies to learn. There's a lot more things to learn. And, you know, it just comes down to the same things that make a card counter, you know? Uh-huh. Um, so pros and cons, I would say, uh, well, on the card counter side, a big pro would be that you can just go anywhere and start generating EV. Yeah, you almost know. anywhere. Sure. Yeah. You know, there, there's beatable games in yeah, yeah, and not all thirty games. some states and not even some other countries. Right. Right. And and not all games are created equal. Yeah. Uh, albeit, but um, they yeah you you don't have to do a lot of you know poking around to find a game to play. Yeah. Um, with, uh, you know, if you're looking for whole cards or, or generally just anything other than card counting that yields an advantage, there's a lot more scouting work. Like you just, you have to go and look for stuff. So your negative variance comes in the form of, I just looked at 30 casinos and there's nothing, you know? So, um, that's a big negative, you know, especially for someone who's eager to get out there and just start making money you know at least with card counting like you're you're putting bets on the table well the ev clock is ticking mm-hmm. you know so um that's a major pro on the on the card counting side um some pros on the advanced side um there's generally less scrutiny um you know when you do find an opportunity that's exploitable um you know there are fewer casino personnel out there who are looking for that uh-huh. um no, there still are. Um, and never underestimate the stupidity of casinos. I can't tell you how many times I've been doing something in a casino that has nothing to do with card counting and still get backed off because yep. they find me in a database. Oh, this is a known card counter. He must be counting cards even though yeah. he's flat betting. So kick him out. Yep. <laughs> so um, I, I would say – Usually that's a big plus on you know most people who get into whole carding or advanced plays are, are generally trying to like avoid heat yeah. and it may or may not actually yeah. work that way. I think generally you'll get less heat, but um, 
it doesn't mean that you're invisible. Um, yeah, man, I, I would love at the blackjack ball one of these years for there to be a survey, and you know, like the first thing is, uh, what do you what do you play? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or what's your play? Card counting or hole carding or right, right. you know, machine play or whatever. Um, and then uh, I want to know the um, like total total winnings, but also like the dollar per per hour mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and not just hours playing, but like the time that goes into it. Cause we know yeah. like uh, if, if for my career, it, I actually was, I've always said $300 an hour. I looked it up. And it's like closer to 400 once I started keeping records. So right. I probably was making like $10 an hour, right. Right. Uh, but, but uh, let's say, let's say $300 an hour. Well, there's also hours that go into it that yep. that aren't on the clock, like yep. record keeping and adding up my money and travel. team, yeah, travel, team meetings and whatever. Right. But uh, um, you know, it, it would be interesting to know. But Joe, a segue into Joe's second question: What's the average ratio of scouting to table time? Yeah, I I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it it really all depends. Um, the I had there was a guy who, who he taught me a few things about you know the advanced plays and he told me that it's like three to one. Okay, and I can't like confirm that or say it's definitely you know sometimes it's worse than that sometimes maybe better but I don't necessarily disagree with it. Yeah. but I don't know like how scientific that okay. is. But yeah, I mean, and and if you uh, like in your example, like if if it takes you three hours or or you know, it takes you a ton of time to find a game worth a thousand dollars an hour or whatever. Well, then you factor in the, like the three to one. Well, you're right back at your three hundred bucks yeah. an hour that that you were saying a minute ago. So. Yep. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to me, I, and I've never gotten a good answer, which I, I'm kind of okay with. But yeah. I'm I'm a little bit fascinated. It's same with uh, I asked a bunch of people who wrote a book how long it took, and no one knew. Yeah. How, until yeah. until loud and often. Which is like perfect because like a card counter, he's like, well, of course I kept track yeah. of how many hours it took me, but then you know, no one, no one else knew, and that's that's fine. You know, you can make money either way, but yeah. it is interesting to hear. I'm I'm primarily a card counter, so you know, whatever, uh, hooray for card counters. But uh, you know, it's it's interesting to hear. I I think in my mind, oh well, those those advanced APs or those whole carters, they make the real money, but you know, yeah. uh, it's pro- probably not. Yeah. It, you know, and maybe, <laughs> maybe there's uh, uh you know, guys like Richard Munchkin or, you know, I'm sure James Grossgene yeah. is making a whole lot more money yeah. than I am. But, um, yeah. So uh, however that works out, I don't, I don't know those guys. Yeah. I'm a youngish looking white guy. Like <laughs> they stop me all the time. So, yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's just all rolls up into advantage play, and I, I think I gravitated towards it more because of like I always enjoyed like getting away with something more, uh-huh. more than I enjoyed like here I am back me off yeah know? so well and if you've got like a, a you know if you've got a good group of people to be on a team with gosh I, I feel like the people are what make you know mm-hmm. whatever yeah. make the engine run you got the right the right people it, it could be any sort of engine you know okay so joe's final question joe 748 uh is what's the difference in the way the variance feels emotionally between whole carding and card counting hmm. yeah um 
man. On the one hand, with card counting, you you have the emotional variance of like, I just lost a ton of money like playing the right way. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, even with with whole carding or other advanced stuff, like it's not immune to variance. Yeah. Like I can remember several sessions where I lost more than I thought possible. Yeah. Um, and that's got to feel extra. Like yep. it's one thing when you got a one percent edge yeah. and you're getting beat, but when you've got, I mean, what what are some of the yeah. edges that you guys? I, I joke with uh, my teammates that like card counters have no idea what a miracle twenty one is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, it it's uh, it's uh, I mean, and it can really suck to like walk in and out of twenty casinos and just find nothing worth anything. You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it can be tough on long dry spells of low EV. Um, you know, I would say it's fairly equal. I, you know, I guess it depends on how how much you sweat the money. You know, how much you, um, you know, uh, how much losing hurts. You know, like yeah. which is something that you have to kind of become immune to. You know, whether you're doing, you know, at a card counting or any other kind of advantage play. So, so I think to piggyback on. That question, um, you know, a card counter can have a losing streak of 100, even 200 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I don't know if – I don't think I know anyone that's had really mm-hmm. wor- worse than that, but whatever. A couple hundred hours can, can happen. Um, but it's, if you're getting your hours in at a more rapid rate, how does that compare to the potential swings with it? more advanced stuff because you, you're going to get to the long run faster, except that if you're spending three hours scouting for every hour right. playing, is right. it, would you say it's about comparable or, uh, well, I think it first and foremost depends on your bankroll probably. Um, and it, I'm sure it depends on the play. Honestly, also. I, I felt like in some ways it's almost more frustrating when you're like trying to look for advanced stuff, because if you have come off of like, you know, finding some advanced stuff and then losing money on them. Yeah. And so now you're in the hole. Yeah. And so now you have to go find another game just yeah. to get you back in the black. And there isn't a lot of control over like mm. what you find. You yeah. Know? So like you have to deal with like not having total control over, yeah. over the hours that you put in. And, and, you know, the same with card counting, like you can't control how long you get until you get backed off, but yeah. you can always choose to drive to the next place yeah. and, you know, start playing. The the lack of control with card counting is just that you can just keep playing and playing mm-hmm. and keep losing, keep losing to, to yeah. a point. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and you have the micro wins and loss, you know, winning streaks and losing streaks. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, gosh, 200 hours, that could, that could take uh, a pro, you know six months or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but, but it, I could imagine when, when you spend all this time and then you find a juicy yep. game, and then uh, they just kill you <laughs> and, and then, yeah, just getting crushed. It, it's got to get tough to say, okay, well, got to scout and scout and scout yep. to find another opportunity. So, um, my next question is, do you plan your trips around Dutch brothers coffee stands <laughs> or, or is that just a bonus? <laughs> Are you sure Joe seven four eight didn't ask this? <laughs> no, this is me, but he he's probably wondering also. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, no. In fact, uh, most places in the country do not have Dutch Bros coffee stands, uh, unfortunately. But yeah. when I'm on the West Coast, it's a perk. Yeah, good. Glad, glad to know that. Um, Basic strategy is the double chocolate mocha. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I'd probably have to cut that with, with some extra milk or <laughs> black coffee or something. But uh, It's uh, not on the menu. It's like part of their like, oh. menu. So this oh, is so- like... So it's an advanced play. Well, it's basic strategy if you were there from the beginning. Okay. When it was actually on the yeah. menu back in, you know, 1990-whatever. <laughs> Man, so so if you go to Vegas, you've got advanced options both for In-N-Out and Dutch Brothers. Correct. That, that um, a noob wouldn't wouldn't be aware of. Correct. A ploppy would just Correct. be ordering some amateur drink or burger. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, less importantly, but... Still important. Uh, I'd like to hear your advice for a card counter who's curious about more advanced plays. Okay. Yeah, I would say, you know, there's a lot of free resources out there. Um, You know, even on Wizard of Odds, you know, I think they publish, like, the whole carding strategy for, you know, three-card poker and, you know, um, things like that. There's some blogs out there, and people have talked about them on the forum and, and whatnot that you can find those pretty easily. Um, but yeah, we just start reading those things. And then just, um, when you're in a casino, just kind of look around, you know, go to the promotions desk, say like, Hey, do you got anything cool going on this month? Yeah. Grab the little flyer that has their calendar of stuff going on. And, you know, um, ask them how their slot club works. Like, you know, how many points for dollars in do I get? Or, you know, like, does this apply to, this game or that game, you know, just kind of be curious, ask questions. Um, a lot of like what we do kind of requires some inside knowledge of like, you have to, you know, have been at the casino or actually played or, you know, things like that. Um, uh, and networking, like networking is really key with this. It's really hard. You'll notice that, you know, a lot of, (laughs) a lot of things I'm saying are, are, you know, somewhat vague, um, yeah. you know, and part of that is just out of respect for my team. Um, and well, people aren't going to want to network with you if you're <laughs> spoiling all these, you know, yeah. like people know about card counting and it has to do with the way the game is normally dealt. A lot of stuff you do, some of it has to do with how it's not normally dealt. <laughs> yeah. Much more of it right. has to do with something out of the ordinary. Right. And, if you're blabbing about this stuff, like no one's going to want to network with you. Right. Right. Um, and I, I don't know, like maybe people think I'm just trying to sell a membership, but I always tell people like, you gotta, you gotta like start investing in, in those relationships. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that doesn't just mean like buying a membership, going on the forum and saying, JC, no, tell me everything. You know, (laughs) it means being someone that people would want to, you know, network with or, or get to know, or, you know, you have to invest in those relationships, but gosh, uh, like, like I said before, the, the people are really the engine that, that make this stuff where, you, you know, you, you can be a card counter or even a whole carter on your own, but I feel like everyone I know has a good support system of, of other APs. So. And, and one thing I'll, I'll add to that is that like the fastest way to be a bad networker in this world is to be known as a store burner, you know? So, like, yeah. if you're getting games corrected or you're uh, hitting something too hard or you're playing it in an obvious way or yes. something that exposes the fact that the casino has a leak, 
you won't make very many friends. <laughs> yeah. I'll hear a story about um, one of my, you know, BJ, uh, BJ member or pro that's become a friend and that I keep in touch with. And they say like, oh, I was playing this place for three days. And then this this uh, other guy comes up to me and starts blabbing to me at the table about yeah, card count. Sure. And I get backed off, you know. I was like, well, yeah. I'm sorry. That's awful. Right. Yeah. Uh, so have have some tact. But I'd say... In addition to that, look to to give. You know, I think most people want to help other people out, but if you're known as someone that's just trying to like right. get 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 right. from people, you know, if you don't scratch their back, they're they're gonna stop scratching you, or they'll have no incentive. But I feel like, you know, um, we as a community have a great opportunity to see everybody succeed, and that doesn't mean you just give up every game to everybody. Right. But right. but uh, the, you know, and I know Richard Munchkin; he's he's a good guy. And, you know, he wants to see people succeed with within the limits of what he's comfortable to share. Uh, but don't be looking to just, uh, you know, milk people for information and, and definitely right. don't uh, don't burn the story. And it's, it's a totally different conversation when you go up to somebody and say, hey, how do I hold card? <laughs> than if you go up to them and say, hey, I was in a casino and I saw this person exposing a whole card and... It was on this shift, and this is their name, and it's at this casino. Yeah, that'll probably get you a little further than yeah than just like I want to be an advanced AP. Yeah, totally. Um, so, what's I'd like to hear a high and a low from your career so far. It could be card counting or you know hole carding or or whatever. But but what what sticks out to you, man? Um, I would say a high point was uh, I was playing a particular game and uh, won like almost $40,000 on a single hand. I remember this. Yeah. (laughs) A a jackpot or something. You don't have to give the details. I I can't give the details, but uh, yeah, essentially on a single hand of a game. um, Yeah. That was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, That, that is pretty cool. And that was only betting like 250 bucks. So Wow, I, I think I had a forty thousand dollar shoe. Nice, um, I, somewhere close to that, but uh, never, never a hand. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't think I've had a hand, even you know, half that. But uh, yeah, that must have been quite the moment. It does not happen very often. Yeah, but, um, those are those are never a dull moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and unless you're uh, betting hundred thousand dollar hands, then forty thousand yeah, dollar hands right. are yeah. a dull moment. Yeah, that's just a surrender, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what? What about a low? Yeah, man, it, losing just never gets fun. Yeah. Um, I've had, you know, uh, I can't really remember like my biggest losing streak, but um, of course, with the the stuff that I do. Um, what almost hurts just as much is just long periods of underperformance, you know, yeah. and just like getting a ton of EV in and just making some pittance of percentage and, yeah. and actual value. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say those are my lows. Uh, lows for me are also just playing by myself. Like I just, I don't like the solo uh-huh. grind of, you know, going out there, um, and just playing until I get kicked out, you know, uh-huh. that, that was a lot of the reason why I like being on teams is just mm-hmm. cause it, it's just the isolation is really rough on me. I know my mm-hmm. personality kind of needs to have, um, you know, other people at least like invested with me or something yeah. so that it feels like 
I'm not just going out there and grinding it out on the road by myself. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. I think that'll, yeah. that'll be helpful for for people to hear. Um, so I have a question. If you're willing to answer it, um, okay. What's your fascination with bad parking jobs? <laughs> uh, yeah. So <laughs> I think what you're referring to is a series of Facebook posts by myself. Um, yeah, so I just started noticing it. I, I don't know. Like, it, I don't actually go out in parking lots and, like, seek out people who have parked horribly. But you've got a keen eye for it. Yeah, but they find me. Yeah. <laughs> so, what, are, what are a couple of your favorite? Oh, man. I, like, up on the curb or yeah, taking four spots? Yeah, some of my favorites are um, when there's, like, two cars next to each other that have parked horribly in a completely different way. <laughs> There's one that it's was like just team play. <laughs> yeah. And, and what's even better is when it's like, it, obviously this person parked wrong because like, like they, they pulled up onto the curb or something because it was like a full lot during the day or whatever. But now it's like the middle of the night and there's like no cars in the lot except this one parked on the sidewalk. Oh, that's funny. Those are fun. There's this one particular casino that is, like, notorious for having, like, several trucks, like, large trucks just parked on the lawns. Like, oh, man. Like just I can't the, believe they yeah, don't they, get towed or tickets. No. Nope. <laughs> well, gosh. And it's not for lack of spaces. They just didn't want to park way out. Oh, man. Them. Yeah. It's it, pretty crazy. No one have to walk. And that's why they bought that truck, so they yep. could just pull right over that. Right. Over the that curb. means truck parking. Yeah. Apparently. Um, so what's your goal for the next five to 10 years? Um, well, when I pulled up this first email from you from, you know, uh, after you'd seen Holy Rollers, you actually mentioned real estate then. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I know that it's always been, been a goal and it sounds like, uh, advanced play is, is helping you in that direction. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was kind of, um, it's been a dream for a long time of just to get, uh, become a more of a real estate investor. And, and yeah, advantage play was kind of part of my plan for like just leaving a day job and just Uh being able to take my time back. Um, and it has, um, and yeah, I've made some good money investing in real estate and I think long term that's probably where I'm going to be at. Yeah. Um, Especially now you're having kids. I mean, when you got started, you were newlywed, no kids. Right. Right. And, uh, a little harder being on the road. Yeah. When you got yeah. young kids, that's, I know that's been the case for, for myself. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like, uh, do you feel like the, it's a natural transition from, you know, one small business of, of, uh, car and advantage play to another small business or. Yeah. I, I mean, and I don't necessarily think of it as like, uh, you know, uh, transition necessary, like yeah, you know the AP life chooses you. <laughs> yeah, totally. So like, I'll I'll still have you know um, advantage play in my blood when I die. <laughs> yeah, and um, so yeah, it it's been it's been nice. I've I've recently started doing more like uh, flip house investing and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, in fact, I'm like covered in sawdust, <laughs> fire caulking in my beard and all kinds of stuff. Cause I just came from the job site. So, <laughs> so yeah, I've done, um, started to do that more actively and, you know, thanks to advantage play with a little more cash than yeah. when I started out and when you got that first email. <laughs> no, that's, that's yeah. awesome to me. I mean, uh, I'm, I, I just love seeing people being able to have a little bit more control over 
over how they create value in the world, whether it's taking it out of casinos or whether it's, yeah. you know, and I, I enjoy real estate. So I always enjoy talking to you about that stuff and, and, uh, hearing what you're learning. Um, what getting back to the casino life, what's one of the weirdest things you've ever seen at a casino? Oh man. I don't know if this is like G rated enough, but like we'll put the little E on the Okay. Okay. We'll just bleep this whole section out if it's too bad. But the weirdest thing and like here I'll say this with a grain of salt because I've seen so much weird stuff in the <laughs> casino that most of it actually doesn't phase me anymore. Yeah. And I have to be like telling a kind of funny story to somebody and then them react of like, that's crazy, yeah. you know, to even know that it's, <laughs> that it's weird. But, um, I can remember one time I went to a casino and I'm going into the men's room and there's this very large man in like a mechanical wheelchair or uh-huh. whatever. And he's got a cigarette hanging out of his mouth with about an inch of uh, ash on it. (laughs) And I can see him, like, wheeling his chair and, like, maneuvering himself in front of a urinal so that he can sit on the edge of his wheelchair and just use a urinal with an inch of, like, cigarette that's about to fall down in ash, like, on his, like, large, oversized belly. Uh-huh. It was the weirdest thing I've oh, ever man. seen. Oh, man. Like, I, why does someone in a wheelchair use the urinal? But I don't know. I've seen so much weird stuff since then. It's just like, yep, that's just the casino. <laughs> man, uh, I don't think we'll need to bleep that out. Um, and I uh, won't need to bleep this out either. But I, I do remember uh, tripping over an oxygen tank at, at a table... <laughs> And finding uh, out that the the lady claimed she only had, like, a couple weeks to live. And I'm like, and you're in the casino? Wow. That was, like, that was, you like, know, a low. Another one of those, like, surreal moments is it's it's the craziest thing when, like, somebody in the casino, like, collapses onto the floor. Like, obviously for some medical reason yeah and everyone keeps playing oh my gosh it's just weird but yeah. it happens so often like you know oh the the medics will get that you know oh it's gosh. just like yeah they just treat it like dime a dozen like oh another one bites the dust Man. like that's the weirdest stuff that you know you just kind of walk by and you're not surprised anymore but yeah. it's just oof. i'll bet someone that has actually worked in a casino they've got some real story you know because yeah. we've spent what a couple thousand hours and some of these people that that uh day in day out yeah man i i kind of want to know and i kind of don't want to know <laughs> what their crazy stories would be okay so um i'd like to hear something that you've learned from your career as an ap that applies outside of casinos but i feel like well i love this quote there's a quote by ed Thorpe where he says that the blackjack table is a great tool for investing because, you know, he yeah. learned all these things from the blackjack table. I feel like the same thing, but I'd like yeah. to hear from you. Oh yeah. I, I think, uh, like, where do you begin with that? Like you go into card counting thinking like, Oh, I'm going to play a game for fun that makes me billions of dollars, you know? And then you get into it and you're like, Oh, this is work. And yeah. like that journey towards becoming a successful AP, like, you know, when you do eventually become a successful AP, you look back and realize like, oh, I learned bankroll management, which is like the same as personal finance. Yeah. And like, 
I don't have a consistent income. So like I have to be like better than the average Joe at, mm. at you know, managing my, my money so that I don't run out, you know? And so in like realms of personal finance, it's been huge in investing, like definitely like yeah. just starting to think more in terms of like what your expected value of an investment is and, um, versus like, am I going to make money on this deal? You know, it yeah. can kind of take a lot of the pressure out of, you know, choosing the right thing to invest in when it's more about just making good bets, you know? Yep. Um, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot recently, when we think in terms of EV, sometimes it doesn't work, but it was still the right choice. Right. Right. And in real world, something doesn't work and you're like, Oh, that must have been a mistake, but it it could have absolutely right. been a really good idea, right, but right. it's only going to work six times out of ten, right? Uh, and you happen to get one of the times it doesn't work, but but to have kind of that that emotional and mental fortitude, yeah, to to next time around think in terms of EV, not in terms of you know fear of failure or whatever, and yeah. make that same you know bet so to speak, right? Well, and in like the real estate stuff that I'm doing now, it's like. You know, I'm a little bit spoiled because, like, in real estate, like, the, the properties, like, it's never worth zero. Like, there, <laughs> there actually isn't, like, a yeah. total risk of ruin at, yeah. like, in the same sense that there is in, in blackjack. So It would be if you leverage. Let's say yeah, you put down 10% and then the property drops. Sure. sure. There's, there's ways to lose big. Yeah. <laughs> I, won't, I won't lie there. But there is, you know, certain ways that it behaves that's a little bit uh, less risky than card counting in a lot Interesting. of ways. But at least that's my opinion on it. But yeah. That's, yeah. My, my accountant was saying, uh, he was talking about like, you buy real estate wrong, you know, you, right. you buy high, if it drops a little bit, you could lose all of it, sure. you know, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're leveraging money to buy. But even it, if but. you lose all your equity and then have to like bring some money to the closing table. Yeah. Like the property wasn't worth zero. Like yeah, you still true. got some of your bankroll out of it. That's true. But yeah, you're right. You can over leverage to a point where you don't. But um, but yeah, I, I suppose blackjack has also taught me, you know, how much risk is too much. Or yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, any any closing uh, thing you'd like to add? Uh, no, just um, practice, practice, practice. Yeah. So six years ago. You stumble across Holy Rollers. <clears throat> Are you glad you did? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. I, I <laughs> was assuming you were going to say that, but I didn't know. Um, Life-changing. Yeah. I mean, I think, I imagine you might see that and all you think of are the pros. Mm-hmm. And, and it, you know, life is full of ups and downs. But I'm glad to hear, you know, the consensus is that, that it's been uh, worth, you know, worth getting yeah. into. It has definitely beat the nine to five. That's for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Well, on that note, we're, we're going to end. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. Yeah. And, uh, you guys can check out the other, uh, like the roundtable discussions that JC note was a part of. And if you want to find out more about beating blackjack with card counting and, uh, JC note is, uh, a big part of our forum. Uh, he's helped, um, with other areas of blackjack apprenticeship for a number of years. If you want to get involved there, check out our membership and, uh, hopefully you can meet JC note and I at a boot camp someday. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you know, hopefully this has been valuable to you guys. Thanks a lot. <laughs>